Welcome, everybody. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And one of the best shows we always do, we all enjoy it, is The Mailbag, because this brings you into our fold. You tell us what you think about us, and you ask certain questions, and we're really getting some interesting information now from you, and we're making shows out of it, and we'll be doing that more often, so please keep the cards and letters coming. My compadre, friend, co-writer, Pat Picciarelli, and I are here. How's everybody doing? Well, I hope. Yeah, well, that's, we're, we're here, and that's hope they're doing as well as we are. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we shall begin. We got some interesting questions uh, this evening. Uh, the first one is for me from James. He says, thanks for recommending Target Blue. That's a book I spoke about uh, in some previous episodes. It's, it's a very good uh, depiction of the NYPD. Anyway, thank you. thanks for recommending Target Blue in a previous episode. I was able to read it. I find the time frame in New York interesting. Patrick, is there any chance you could do some episodes on policing in New York during the 60s through the 80s? Can you shed some light on Chief Seidman? Chief Seidman, for those of you who don't know, is the chief of detectives during that time period. And some other personalities of the era in a relationship with the mayors as well. Take care and thanks for uh, the interesting stories. He has a, a good idea that perhaps uh, next week we'll do an episode on just that subject. What do you think? Great. But how does this guy have so much background about it? That's interesting. Was well, he ex-cop? Uh, how old is the, he? Well, the book Target Blue. Oh, I got it from your book. Uh, it's out of there. It was it was written it was written in in, uh, in the seventies by the, the then uh, deputy commissioner of public information for the police department. Basically, about the, the Black Liberation Army. But the names that he mentions here: Chief Seidman, very colorful guy, and all the crimes committed in the sixties and seventies, particularly, are all in that book. So he, he must want some information about the oh, era. Okay. And Great. since I served at that time, I will give him information. So, James, uh, tune in uh, two weeks from, no, one week from today. There you and, go. And okay, for Gianni from Donny. In your opinion, Gianni, what qualities should a mob boss have to make him successful? Who do you think was the best mob boss and why? Well, I think the old timers, I mean, first of all, Carlo Gambino. I mean, all of his life, that's what he was. And he treated everybody with respect, demanded respect back. And uh, the older guys were more honorable. You know, they, they were not like what we know of today, the ones that we hear in the newspapers, the Spalatros and the Gottis. And it's all fanfare. What well, this was about was, you know, the organization what, itself. It was a secret organization. A, a advocate here. When he talks about, you know, we don't know where this specifically what this question is really asking. It, 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 you know, the best boss can be from a success perspective, meaning it was the best boss for the family that made the most money, or the best boss because he was the best manager, the way he treated his people. So that said, given those true, uh, you know, quantifiers, uh, the, the, the best boss, uh, you know, uh, when you mentioned uh, Carlo Gambino, he was the best boss in what sense? Well, he made everybody earn, and they they had a, a tight organization, and it was run with respect, and he respected you, and you respected him. 
Okay, how does that compare to Frank Costello? Well, Costello, the same guy. Alcado, the same guy. Those yeah. older guys were the guys. That's what I'm saying. These young kids, they're out there yeah. for themselves. Yeah, obviously. I mean, uh, after Castellano got killed and everything started to sink because these guys were too full of themselves. I think uh, uh, the Gambinos and the Costellos, they cared about the society. They yeah, cared and, about and the, the meaning of it. La Familia, that film, that's their family. Above yeah, they their own family. It's more, you they know, weren't ostentatious. They weren't flashy. They drove regular cars. They lived in regular houses. They were all about the, the mafia because they believed in it. What we have now, not so much, and that's being kind. Oh, hello. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember John constantly saying, it's the life, it's the life. Well, he he lived it for himself and very yeah, selfishly. If he, kept, if he kept his name out of the papers and kept his mouth shut, perhaps. Uh, Who knows? The, the mob would be in decent shape. Okay, uh, next on the list from Bethany. Bethany starts off by saying, Ciao. Forgive me if this has already been discussed, but I would be interested in any backstory uh, regarding Roy Horn being attacked by one of his beloved tigers. Apparently, the show producers refused to release the video of the attack to authorities. Prior to this infamous attack, other people had been attacked. For example, a carpenter working at their uh, compound, and she's talking about the Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, I knew, I knew exactly what she was talking about. My, was not, the audience he, didn't, yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's why I brought it up. Uh, I, I, for example, a carpenter working at their compound was attacked in a hospital for six months and rendered paralyzed. Siegfried and Roy publicly proclaimed on Larry King that nobody had ever been hurt by their animals. Animal trainers refute such claims as impossible when working with wild animals daily for years. Let me tell you a little Russo, story that happened to me in my house. I think well, I okay, mentioned it. Let me it. finish the question. Uh, does Mr. Russo have any truth to share from his days in Vegas or in general about the act, meaning Siegfried and Roy? Oh a passionate God, animal man. lover and saddened by this incident and Horn's outcome. Be happy, be safe, uh, be well, Bethany. So tell well, us yeah, about I mean, I, I remember early on, I had them come to my house. I used to have a party every Monday night at the house on the golf course. And the, I, I had a TV show called Welcome to My Lifestyle long before the motion pictures of The Godfather. I was buying so much airtime because of my businesses, the wig stores and the jewelry stores, that the manager of the, of the, you know, of the TV station said, why don't you have like a movie of the week and, and do the whole thing? And I did. I did two hours with the movie, and, and I did all the commercials myself. And with that, I used to have a party every Monday night at my house for celebrities. Everybody would come. And they came with, a, with one of the white cats. They, they, were, they raised those cats. They made those albino cats. How, was, was this a young cat? Or was a a young one? cat. It was wild. Siegfried and Roy, obviously, they were partners in more than... Like then, you would say they were partners, but now, you know, in this life, they were lovers. Period. And uh, unbeknownst to me, the cat was in the house, no problem. A girl in the house. It was that time of the month for her, and the cat reacted to it like we're saying they could be tamed, they could be trained, but what triggers it is who they are, they're animals. And the cat 
went after her. And he leaped from Roy's lap. Thank God I was in between. And she was like two seats down on the sofa we were all sitting on. And I saw him like getting ready and hunching back. And I cold cocked him while he was in the air. <laughs> if you tried to do that again, what do you think were the odds that you can do that? I don't know. I don't think it's just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very agile. I don't think we're talking about 20, 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> and I'm 10 degree Tai Chi. So I saw it and I said, wait a minute. And for, I just reacted to it. And I knocked the cat out. I hit him square on the side jaw between his ear and his jaw like I would hit a person. And Roy went to the ground laying with the cat crying. He thought I killed the cat. I mean, it was such a scene. Everybody ran out of the house and went on the lawn. They thought this cat was going to attack them all. Did you, let let me ask you this, as as part of this question, did you ever hear of anyone else getting attacked by a cat? She she makes reference to uh, uh, a uh, carpenter. I'm just looking at the question. That was rendered paralyzed by one of Siegfried and Roy's cats. Well, I, I don't know about how how bad he was, but there was a even stagehands at the Stardust. People don't realize they started at the Stardust Hotel as a featured act in Lido di Paris. That's how far no. back I go for, with them when they were brought over from Europe. Well, they were there forever, right? Well, not only that. No, then Steve Wynn when he built the Mirage, built them their own theater. And they were the star of their own show, Siegfried and Roy show. It was there forever. Yeah. And they created certain stages and how they got from one end to the other. They had shoots. They did. They built the whole place for them. So who was hurt? Stagehands, handlers. Those cats would bite. Hello. I mean, yeah, they're wild animals. Hello. Yeah, but they... Uh... Uh, according to this, uh, uh, to uh, Bethany, they kept that quiet? I, obviously, because you know why? The, the management <laughs> told them nobody would go to the show. Who'd sit ringside? <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, yeah, well, they're both gone now. Uh, uh, Roy Horn just died, right? Roy, Roy did. Dead. I think Siegfried is still alive. No, no, he died. Oh, he's dead. They're both dead now? Okay. Yeah, uh, Siegfried died recently, within the last six months. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, knew but, there had to be recent. But they yeah. were up there. Siegfried was older than Roy. Roy was like 10, 15 years his junior. How long were they uh, at uh, at that venue? Well, at, and, well, at the Stardust, they were there 10 or 12 years. Then they went on to their own showroom with, with uh, Steve Wynn. Until the accident with Roy. How long was that, you think? Jeez, I would think that's eight or ten years more. Jeez. No, they were a huge success. Yep. Well, moving along from Susan. Hi, Gianni. Uh, My email was read in the mailbag for episode 165. Thank you for answering it. It was very kind of you. Uh, To top it off, you jokingly asked uh, at the end of your response, great question, Susan, where do you live? which made me smile. Thanks, Johnny. By the way, I live in New Haven, Connecticut. So now you know where Susan lives. Okay. <laughs> that uh, wasn't a I, question. I'll be in New Haven soon looking for you, Yeah, that's Susan. what I think she's said. <laughs> if, if you want her last name in, your, in, in, in an email, let me know. That, that can be the next ex-Mrs. Russo. You never know. Hello. 
whatever. <laughs> I'll be at when you when you hear about me being at uh, Mohegan Sun, please come and remind me, and you can be my guest. Even if you would have a husband, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah leave him home. Yeah. All right. No, no, I'll have him come too. Be a guest. Come see our show. We have a show, Pat, indirectly yeah. produced with me. I took our book and made a musical out of it. And that's what my new show's about, being booked all over the country. All I over think the there's world. a question here about that, so let's let's hold hold off on that. Okay, okay from, from Alan. Love your show and your book. As far as I'm concerned, that's the end of the question. But he actually asks a question. According to a family lore, my aunt Annie Byer babysat for Al Capone's kids while in Miami. And her brother, Dan Byer, that's B-Y-E-R, ran the Miami gambling operation. His brother, Jake uh, Beak, B-E-A-K, helped him. Do you know anything about them? Supposedly, they had a, a gaming and numbers operation that uh, ran out of the room that was accessed by a fake boiler. I'm very curious if you know anything about that. I knew she about went, it, but it was before my time when you think about that house that Capone had down there. Yeah, uh, Capone died in 1947. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, she, she goes on to say, I uh, I looked online for uh, previews of, of your clothing line. How can I find it? I am in the men's custom clothing business and very much looking forward to seeing what you've done. I hope you added pick stitching as well as a Milanese buttonhole to the suit jackets. I believe that would be a nice Italian touch. I haven't tried your marinara sauces yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Your faithful listener, Alan. Uh, the name of the company is Well Suited. That's his company. Okay. Right. Anyway, have you uh, uh, added uh, pick stitching to your sport jackets? No. <laughs> How about uh, Milanese buttonholes, if you know what they are? I don't know what they are. Okay. The buttonholes on, uh, on suit jackets and, and sport jackets, Milanese buttonholes actually work. They open and close. They actually have buttonholes. That's a, that's a Milanese button. What do you mean? Yeah. The button and it's all in one. It's like a snap. No, no, it's a regular buttonhole, like a shirt button. You you would open the button and the sleeve on the suit jacket would actually open up, like oh, a wow. regular button. Now you might ask yourself, who the hell would want to do that? Hello, and <laughs> I mean, all the time and labor on that. Hello. Yeah, and it's expensive. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, what I I mean, just whoever's listening. The clothing line, you can go online to it. We've been having problems like everyone else in the past three years trying to get goods because of the pandemic. Spain was closed down where we make the shoes. Portugal where the shirts are made. So, I mean, now, fortunately, we're about, which I'll, I'll make a, a, a public announcement out of it. We were just contacted last week because the department store we were going to we had to have so much goods here on shore before they let us in. Now QVC has asked us to go on with a certain amount that we already have, which is their big thing. You go on and you sell out in eight minutes. Then you go back there next month. So look for us on QVC, and I'll announce it on the air, but I'm thinking it's going to be sometime in June that we'll be on QVC. Okay, that answers uh, probably a lot of people's questions. Yeah. So we shall move on to uh, from Ruth for Gianni. Can you bring us up to date on the status of the rap album? I uh, I last read on Facebook it was optioned for ninety days. Right, and now it's out though. It, it launched on the twenty second last Friday. Where is it? Everywhere. Spotify. Okay. 
I sent you. Uh, I sent you the one sheet too. Pat. Yeah, I uh, I uh, put it on Facebook for the you know for people I have on Facebook. Uh, but anyway, this person wanted to know. I guess she wrote this email before uh, we made the announcement. So as of what? As of today, it's out, right? Or last week? Friday night, to twenty second. Okay. okay. Uh, from Casey for everyone. Okay, I enjoyed the episode with Miles Watson as a guest. Could you please repeat the name of the book he wrote that he recommended? Well, he he recommended two. Uh, I forgot the name of one of them, but uh, one of them, his first one, is very good, called Cage Life, C-A-G-E Life. Uh, one of his uh, first published books, very good. Okay, He, he was your so, student, right? He was my student. Yeah, we became friends. I tell you, this this guy, I, I, I call him a kid. I had him in my class 20 years ago. <laughs> he's uh, He's going to be 50 on his next birthday. How come he's getting older and I'm not? I don't get it. It's, it's, I have the same thing. Everybody's bypassing me. My kids. It's a mystery. My son's going to be to... 60. He looks older than me. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to think about that. Uh, anyway, uh, this guy, uh, I can't say enough about his talent. Uh, the, the man can write anything, any genre. He's, he's, he's written romance novels. He's written war novels. The guy is just a phenomenal writer. And truthfully, I wish I could write like this guy. And I'm serious about that. Wow. Very good. That's so anyway, the name of the book is Page Life. Oh, I'm telling you, John, he's great. So he anyway, must have a great imagination if he can write oh, any genre. He can literally any genre. He's 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 written erotica and sold it. I mean, the, the guy can write anything. Uh, but his his forte is uh, organized crime, uh, mysteries, thrillers, and war books. He's uh, he's an expert on, on on World War II, and I I, I read his latest on the uh, on the German Luftwaffe. It sounds like he was in the cockpit of these bombers. He knows everything about the Luftwaffe, and it makes it interesting. You would think it would be boring when he describes planes but he's, and, and battles, but he's, I can't say enough about his writing. Wow. Uh, everybody would, uh, that likes to read would do themselves a favor by picking up his books. Just go on Amazon, Miles Watson. He's got a whole bunch of books. That's up. an interesting name, Miles Watson. It sounds something like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a guy I want to hire to solve a murder, you know? Get right. Miles Watson. Get Miles Watson on the case. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Okay, moving right along from Teddy. I've been a subscriber since episode one. Hey, thank you, Teddy. Wow, thank uh, you, Teddy is right. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job. On the Mad Dog Russo episode, Johnny mentioned wanting to go to Sirius Radio. Any movement in that direction? We're hoping. Write letters to Sirius Radio. It's all <laughs> it's all about you guys. We're yeah, coming actually, up with different formats. We're adding certain a new kind of genre to what we do. And uh, we would love to be on Sirius Radio. Pat and I yeah. have a history just through Howard Stern with it and the success of it. And Yeah, they, yeah. Actually, they actually give you a channel. You've got your own yeah. little domain, yeah. which impressed me. We can do anything we want. This is yeah. cable, don't, don't forget. I mean, they, they don't take you off the air for saying a curse part, you know? Yeah, I know, it's great, man. I mean, we're working on it. Okay, uh, this is from Pete for me. I know this has been asked before, but have you decided to bring back uh, the Rayel character in another book, Bloodshot Eyes and the Pop Line of Great Crime Novels? Time for another Yale book. Uh, yeah, in fact, you're going to see uh, Ray Yale and Gianni and I's uh, first fiction novel based on uh, Gianni's life. Which, uh, Ray Yale plays a part in that, uh, in that book. So uh, he's brought back. He's not 
the protagonist of the book, but you will see him in it. Uh, and the last part, which will be out in uh, in uh, December by the latest, it's called uh, The Pawn, P-A-W-N. That's the work the title that could change. Okay, can you recommend any good crime fiction authors while I'm waiting? Uh, John Sanford comes to mind. Uh, Michael Connolly, those two. Uh, they're my favorites, and I'm a big uh, crime writer and reader. Uh, Michael Connolly writes a, uh, a, a series about a detective, a fictional detective on the LAPD named Harry Bosch. And uh, John Sanford has about three series going. And anything he writes is good. It's S-A-N-D-F-O-R-D. Okay, next. From Guy Forgiani. Now that COVID seems to be on the wane, what are your plans to begin personal appearances again? I'm starting as we speak. I mean, I'm booked at... Uh... Um, I'll be at Resorts International Atlantic City on October 8th for Columbus Day. I'll be at Pela Casino the week before down in San Diego, which is an amazing property, a billion six hundred, I mean, a billion six hundred million dollar hotel, P-A-L-A. I'm there on the 1st of October. I'm, I'm just locking in a lot of dates. These are signed and sealed and ready to go. But look at any of the properties that Mohegan Sun, I have nine casinos to do with them. I'll be back in Niagara Falls View also by the summer or the spring, I'm in the fall rather. No, it's all coming back though, but thank you for asking. And I'm open for other suggestions. So you got a place for me to go, I'll go. Okay, Uh, but you you got to rule out like the Red Lobster or a Pancake House, right? Yeah, I'm not doing those, no. Not doing that? Okay. Because the room's too small, right? No, I mean, it's it's it's, it's just a little too rich for me. <laughs> okay, I understand. Yeah, your, 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 your clientele is, is is a bit more sophisticated or less sophisticated. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, from, from Eddie for everyone. The boss of the Colombo crime family, Andy Mush Russo, recently died in prison. Uh, well, he did die in prison. He died on his way to prison. But anyway... At 87, the the, uh, the two guys next in line are in prison. Any idea who will take over? Not at all. I mean, that's you have to be part of the Colombo family to know that. And if I that knew, was, then you'd ask me why and how, and somebody else will show up knocking on my door. <laughs> well, I, yeah. well I, I, can, I can venture a guess it's going to be some Italian guy. What do you think? Oh, there you go. But, you know, I, I think what I... I mean, you may stand corrected. I think Andrew Mush was doing life and died in prison. Oh, he was doing? Okay, all right. And he had a new indictment coming up. Oh, that's it. That's what I got confused at. Yeah, Yeah. he was in and he was about to get indicted again. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, he's batting a thousand. That family seems to be a bit weakened, or am I reading into this? No, yeah, I would think right. it is. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I remember it's starting to weaken on uh, May 28, 1971. When, yeah. yeah, you know, the, the boss was in a coma for five years. Yeah, all right. From Mike, Gianni and Patrick, I know them. All right, anyway, I recently read that Folini's restaurant in Little, Little Italy closed after 70 years in business. Do you have any stories you wish to share? I know you guys were both born in the neighborhood. I'll let you go first. I don't have any. I, I never went in there. Really? To Bellini's? No. Bellini's. Oh, Fellini's. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought I said Bellini's. Bellini's. No, I, I, I don't talk very good. 
Okay, but no, but I, I, how can I say this without getting myself in trouble? Uh, I only frequent restaurants, but a lot of people don't realize Mulberry Street is divided by each block. A family owns what's on that block, and that's how they made that work, because they 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 shared the landscape down there. So you know, like. Matty the Horse, he had and still has his sisters run it now. Lamella, he also had it right on the corner that we all know about, you know, Humberto's Clam House. Then you go up the street. I mean, I can't name these guys because they're still in there, but that's how that worked. So I didn't go to Fellini's at all. Okay. Well, I've got some history there. That was uh, the first restaurant that I recall going uh, to with my father. So I had to be like seven years old, maybe eight years old. Was uh, that on Mott Street, though? It's across the street from the park. Yeah, that ain't that ain't Mulberry Street, see? No, it's it's not on Mulberry Street. Uh, I don't know. It's across from the park, whatever street that is. But right. Uh, uh, and then uh, to, to fast forward seventy years or whatever, I took my sons there the first time. I took them to, to New York when they were little. One was about. Uh, nine the other one was seven and it's the first time they really ate italian food they they thought they were eating italian food around here <laughs> it's like you, you eat a pizza it's like ketchup on cardboard and i hope i'm not insulting anybody but that's the way i feel uh and when they went in there and they took their first forkful they both looked at me and said wow this is good i suppose this is real italian food but i'm thinking i'm looking at these waiters you know <laughs> i'm convinced that the waiter that waited on me uh, when I went there with my sons, waited on me with my father. This guy had to be like 90 years old. Probably you know? was, too. Yeah. Probably right. lived right upstairs in the barber. Yeah, more than likely, you know, he, he just had a stagger to work. But that place has a uh, has a very colorful history. I mean, uh, uh, gangsters hung out there with FBI agents because they're field officers across the street. Uh, judges and cops during a, a lunch break from court used to go there. It was always packed. They had a... a a parking lot right next door uh, where the, the where the patrons of the restaurant could, could park. Now, that's special because parking in Chinatown and Little Italy is kind of premium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, about 20 years ago, there was a triple homicide in that parking lot. It was a Chinese gang shootout in that parking lot. Why they chose that parking lot to have this, this, uh, this shootout. And they left the bodies there. And it was uh, uh, three Chinese gang members got whacked. And uh, put it this way, the neighborhood didn't like that. Hello. I, 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 I recall the word disrespect being bandied about. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but the food, the food was good. Was it great? No, it was uh, what's known, you know, in our parlance as a, as a red sauce joint, but mm. a good one. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I read about this a couple of weeks ago, the Fellini is, is closing. Uh, it's just like part of an era that's gone. Well, you, you know, know what happens uh, I had a conversation today. In fact, I can name the the people. I know them well. Vincent Ponte lives down the street from me. I know. And yeah. uh, the, the three generations of Vincent Ponte's run their businesses now. And that's very rare. He said it's very rare because we have three generations. We all get along. And normally that doesn't happen. But they that's still have what, the restaurant? They still own the, they still own. The, the original one off Canal Street and the West yeah. Highway. 
you know, in the restaurant business, for people who aren't, aren't familiar with the business, uh, 95% of new restaurants, and that's that's a, a real statistics, uh, close in one year. Oh, yeah. So when you talk about restaurants that are open for 70 years, uh, and Ponty's has been around a long time. Oh, my God, yeah. And, and a lot of other places down there. You know, and it, it isn't only the people that live in, in, in the neighborhood that go there. Oh, no, it's, well, that, they, they become destinations. It's like when you go to Italy. I mean, when you go to New York, go to Little Italy and go to this restaurant, it's always recommended. Yeah. I mean, I used to, my younger days, and I'm talking about even 15 years ago, you could catch me almost, if I'm in New York every Sunday, I was on Mulberry Street, man. Yeah, I, I mean. I love sitting I, out on the sidewalk and just. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to show my son's. You know, they never saw a sidewalk before they went down with us <laughs> in New York. Oh, I know <laughs> where you live. Forget about there's it. No, there's no sidewalks here. They have you know, concrete. The grass they have stuff. grass. That's what it's about. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they were they were shocked. They wanted to see uh, where I lived. I was uh, I was uh, born and raised in the, the tenement right next to the 5th Precinct. Right. And and they asked me, was, was that police station here when you were young? I said, that police station here was when Abraham Lincoln was young. <laughs> You know, it was there since 1840. It was wow. there, and it's still the same station house. No, it's that's what's why even like you know you're mentioning these years, like I take kids. You know, my kids are here want to go to Ferraris. They hear about it all over the world. Yeah, and they say, "How long has this been here, Dad?" I said, "Go outside, look on the sign." <laughs> yeah, eighteen something. Yeah, eighteen seventy eight. Yeah. So they, these places, and you know, there's so many, you, you can't swing a dead cat in Little Italy without hitting a restaurant of some sort. Oh, my God, no. And they all make money. Yep, yep. They all make money. All right, moving along. From Sonny. Oh, this is a, this is an interesting question. All right. When mafiosi die, who determines whether they can have a Catholic funeral? Gangsters like John Gotti, Paul Castellano, Tommy Bellotti, Carmine Galanti, and Frank DeChico were denied funerals. While Carlo Gambino and Neil Delacroce were permitted funerals, why are some permitted funerals and not others? Now, I had a I, I, since I'm doing these questions, I saw them ahead of time, so right. I researched it. What do you think the reason is? Jim? Well, I know why now because the Catholic Church got so much pressure for letting them in on, in the in the church. No, but why some some allowed and others aren't? There's a rule, you know. There's two rules, as a matter of fact. In the church, now think about that: Castellano, Gotti, uh, uh, Chico, Carmen Galanti were not allowed. Uh, uh, let's let's leave Gotti out of. Let's leave that name out of. Castellano, Bellotti, Galanti, and Frank Chico. What do they all have in common? They're all divorced parents. No, they all got whacked. Oh, spectacularly. Oh, okay, so if you so get killed. Two, yeah, here's the rule. There's two rules. There's the rule of manifest sinner. If you're a, a very blatant sinner, and it's got to be an end, the circumstances of your death are violent. You don't get a Catholic funeral. But you might ask, well, how come Gotti didn't get a Catholic funeral? Because he died a natural death. Right, in prison. It made an exception for him, I think. Well, obviously, the, the violent life he led, but what uh, the the uh, his involvement with the his next door neighbor that he had killed because oh, he ran a kid. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why. I think that, but th but that's the rule. And they, they specifically say 
you're called a manifest sinner. And it doesn't only uh, fall onto uh, Italian gangsters. It's anybody that's a manifest sinner. But of course, you know, mafia people are. Well, manifest sinner, now what's the definition of that? You have to break well, every it, commandment? It, what's that? No, the, uh, it, it's that uh, an ongoing and blatant sinner. And of course, organized crime figures are, but that doesn't. Uh, but so are, so is an adulterist in the well, eyes of no, God. But this is not this, this is organized crime where they're killing people. But that doesn't keep you out of a a a uh, Catholic funeral. That manifest sinner and the circumstances of your death will keep you out. Oh. But they made an exception in, in Gotti's case and would not allow him to be uh, to, to have his funeral service in the Catholic Church, even though he died a natural death. I thought that, that that to be very interesting. Yeah. And we all know that, that the church is loaded with politics. Hello. You know, so. Uh, but that's, I, I until I researched that, when I saw this uh, the other day, I, I never realized that they had a rule. I thought they just like tossed the coin. They like you, they don't. They'll, they'll yeah, I thought how looking. much money you gave them, you got anything exactly. you want. But that's not the case. No. Uh, so interesting. Yeah. Okay. From Rocco. And this is what you and I discussed before the show, Johnny. Have you ever heard of a mafia member committing suicide? Well, yeah, I knew one in particular. I was very close to his son, um, Nick Nitty. Frank Nitty committed suicide. You want to tell us the circumstances of that? Yeah, he was about to be indicted. He was a claustrophobic. He, he, had, he had a lot of... Uh, now, you know, after it happened, then my relationship with Nick, even now with his grandchildren... They they speak of it very lightly, but Nick was overwhelmed with it, and he was about to be indicted, and he he felt that the federal government was going to frame him to look like a rat. And he went to church with his family that Sunday morning. Right. He went upstairs for a minute. His wife didn't know till after he committed suicide. He took off all his jewelry, put his money where he always does, and walked out of the house, and I'll see you later, kissed her, and went down the block and killed himself. Yeah, the exact location was uh, uh, by railroad tracks, and uh, the autopsy indicated that he was quite drunk. Right. Which I guess you have to be to shoot yourself in the head. He was walking in a, in a railroad yard when he shot himself. But I found other interesting cases. A guy by the name of Carlo Licata. He was the son of L.A. mob boss, Nick Licata and son-in-law of Detroit uh, mob uh, Don William Black Bill Taco uh, or Tacho, T-O-C-C-O. Licata was discovered dead inside his Michigan home, shot twice in the chest. That's a hell of a suicide, you know. <laughs> Worst case, suicide yeah, I ever saw. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, shot in the chest twice, uh, July 3rd, 1981, the six-year the six anniversary of the Jimmy Hoffa disappearance. That's all. I mean, that to well, me is not suicide. Well, I've seen, you know, I've handled a lot of suicides that uh, uh, that look like they were they were carved up uh, with knives and hatchets, all hesitation marks. Very difficult for somebody like to plunge a knife into their throats or to, or to slice their wrists. They they don't want to be in pain, so they do what's known as hesitation marks. They they cut a little, and they see what that accomplishes, which isn't much. So they cut again and again and again until they finally make the final cut. Oh, wow. Uh, so there's blood all over the place. I had one where a woman 
slashed the wrist numerous times, stabbed herself in the chest, the stomach, the throat, and the skull, and then started bouncing off of walls in her apartment. And there's blood everywhere, the ceilings everywhere. And I walked in there, I said, my God, look at homicide. M.E. walks in, the medical examiner. He was there for 30 seconds. He said, this is a suicide. And I looked at him like he was crazy. And then he explained why and how. And he was right. Wow. Yeah. So I never heard that in all my 80 years of life. Hey, he was shot in the the chest twice. Uh, Doesn't mean that the first one was effective. The first round was effective. Depends on, on the pistol where he shot himself with the bullet went. But, you know, what's the perfect example of this? Robin Williams. When Robin Williams killed himself, he uh, he, he he first tried to uh, slash his wrists, and he went through the same ordeal, the hesitation marks, and it was painful. He couldn't do it, so he decided to hang himself. So he puts a, a, a ligature around his neck, I forget what he used, and tried to hang himself off his doorknob. He put the, the end of the ligature around the doorknob, got on his knees, and fell forward, so he would strangle himself. But that was too painful. So he took the ligature off. He put a towel around his neck, put the ligature over that, and did the same thing with the end of the ligature on the doorknob and leaning forward on his knees. And he strangled himself, but at least it wasn't painful. So pain to suicide mean a lot. Uh, well, with, with some, I guess. The people who uh, jump, jump over buildings don't feel anything, I guess. Hello, yeah. But, you know, it's not the fall that kills you. It's that sudden stop, you know. But, <laughs> Uh, but so no, that, it's, that's that's pretty common. And then there was another guy named Momo Adamo, a longtime underboss of the Los Angeles Mafia. Adamo shot his wife and then himself in on June 18, 1956, after he was passed over for the, the syndicate boss's chair, following uh, uh, Drac, Jack Dragner dying of a heart attack, and allegedly forced to watch Frankie Simone, the man who would go on to replace Dragner as the city's godfather rape his wife in front of him. Are you ready for this? I knew all about that. I was really? out there then. Yep. I mean, what were they trying to prove by raping this guy's wife in front of him? He must have done something wrong. Well, well, how can I say this without getting myself Delicately. in trouble? Delicately. Yeah, but I still can get myself in trouble. Supposedly, yeah. this guy was disrespectful to a lot of guys' wives and gumares. And that's so they, they that's yeah, why well, not only uh, did they pass him over, he knew he was dead once this new guy got in. Well, and he was disrespecting a woman, so they disrespected his wife in front of him before they killed him. Exactly. Something or or he killed him, so they made him kill himself, maybe. Who knows? But the uh this is something similar to when uh Anthony uh Spilosha got whacked, they made him watch his brother yeah. Be beaten to death for his sins, not his brother's sins. Exactly. His brother, who you knew, his brother was not never a, well. I mean, he was such a beautiful guy, Michael. Jesus. So he 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 paid the price for his brother being an idiot. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, then there's Enrico Riccoboni, Rico Bene. He was the nephew of Philadelphia mafia faction leader Harry the Hunchback Rico Bene uh, at war in the early 1980s with the city's reigning uh, mob boss, Little Nicky Scarfo. Enrico. Killed himself December 14, 1983, in a bizarre incident, which saw him uh, uh, run for a gun and shoot himself in a South Philly jewelry store after being told that uh, Scarfo uh, lieutenants, Crazy Phil Leonetti and Lars Yogi Merlino, that's that's a uh, skinny's nephew. Yeah, yeah, it's his nephew. Were walking through the neighborhood. 
looking for him. Looking for him. <laughs> so this was sort of this was sort of preemptive. Where's the gun? Yeah. And he ran for the gun, and he ate the gun before they got there. Uh, Lawrence Merlino was uh, the current boss, skinny Joey Merlino's father. Right. Okay. Anyway, Giovanni and Pietro Ligamari. This was a father and son suicide. Uh, uh, they both hung themselves. So I guess this is the what you would call the uh, real definition of well hung. I mean, two guys, <laughs> father and son. Listen to this story. The Bonanno drug lieutenant and his son were found hanging side by side in the New Jersey home on May 21st, 1999. Giovanni, that's the father, uh, 60, was convicted in the legendary Pizza Connection case. Pietro, 37, that's the son, was a civilian without a criminal record. Mental health experts questioned the small likelihood of a father and his son committing a planned double suicide. I would also question it because the, the son wasn't involved. Well, yeah, I know. I, that's what's confusing to me. Well, they called it a suicide, a double suicide, for lack of being able to prove it was anything but a double suicide. But what, what would you think? The father would kill the son prior to him? That. Because uh, you don't want to leave him to, to take the blunt of it all. Maybe. Who knows what's in their mind? Or they were afraid somebody was going to talk and they just somebody strung them both up which is difficult to do without leaving signs of a struggle, you know? Uh, but anyway, that was an interesting one. And let's, let's not forget the last but not least, Steve Roffler. You ever hear of him, Johnny? No. Steve Roffler, the Tampa Mafia's capo in Miami, overseeing South Florida for all the 1980s and 90s on behalf of the Traficante family. Oh, I knew Traficante perfect. I mean, personally. Yeah. Okay, Roffler hung himself inside his Pembroke Pines home on November 16, 2000. Less than a, uh, a month before being, uh, a month after being pinched in a large scale uh, racketeering indictment. Rafa was supposedly, uh, reportedly severely depressed. Yeah, I would think so. In the wake of his arrest, however, there are family members that uh, maintain uh, that they don't believe he killed himself. I would, I would say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, but I, uh, that was a very good question, uh, I tell you, because you don't really hear of these guys doing themselves in. And what do you think the reason for that is? Or are there more suicides than are known, do you think? I, I think there are more suicides to make them look like suicides, but they're really hits. Do you think there's any, any there would be more suicides, you know, real suicides, and they they don't publicize the fact that they're weak? Because because it's it's a sign of weakness. Well, that's the only thing and I it, could think. But I mean, yeah. But once you, I don't know. I mean, who? Again, knowing that whole group the way I knew and was around. Once you kill yourself, who cares? Maybe a big shame on the family. I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, I, I would think more they, of them were murdered to look like a suicide. Yeah, I would. I would think there'd be more of that. But uh, anyway, that's it. That we're forty-five minutes in, and we've run out of questions. Wow. Okay. Time flies when you're having a good time. Tell me about it. All right. So, uh, I guess we'll see you all next week. Okay. And and for that uh, uh, person who emailed us, let me get back to the question. Uh, that would be uh, my best new best friend, James about the NYPD in the 60s and, uh, and 70s, maybe 80s. Uh, I think we should do a show on that next week. I think you're right. Do you want to okay. talk a little about a book that's coming up that 
do you want to let any of that out to this wonderful well audience? you know we're going to discuss plot but as i said before johnny and i are uh are writing a series the first book is being written as we speak and uh it's scheduled to be out around christmas and this is a work of fiction uh but uh johnny as we all know now uh has led a rather c- a colorful life and there's certain things you can say and certain things you can't say in a book of nonfiction, which is all fact and is thoroughly vetted by uh, the publishers who uh, who published the book. So we decided to have a little uh, a little fun here and uh, write a, a a a fiction series with the uh, with the disclaimer uh, in front of the book on the title page. This is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. Gianni Russo, 2022. I love it. So we will leave it at that, and I hope everybody enjoys it when uh, it finally comes out. But yeah, that's like, to, like we experienced. We ran out of letters, and that's because of you listeners. We need more letters. We enjoy hearing from you. We'll create shows from them. Your suggestions mean a lot to us. Yeah, and they do. Uh, you'll make us a, a success. And we're looking to go to series radio. We heard that on this show, too. So we yeah. really need to support more than ever now. Yeah, if you uh, if you have a, a subscription to Sirius Radio, and uh, I think it's a, 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 a good platform, they do listen to listener emails or phone calls or whatever. Emails would be the easiest way. Uh, email these uh, the, the people. You go on, on on their website. There's there's contact information there. We would like to see the Hollywood Godfather on Sirius Radio. There's a lot more we can say on Sirius Radio, which is a cable channel than we can say on a public venue like this. I mean, whatever we say, of course, is the truth, and we're having a lot of fun doing it, but we could be really over the top on a, a cable radio station. So contact Sirius Radio. Yeah, we would appreciate it. And, 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 uh, and help us along. I mean, we're, we're doing our part. We're not leaving it all up to you. But uh, <laughs> you know, every, every little bit helps. We, we've, been, we've been approached, let's put it that way, but if, if they have uh, listeners that uh, would like to see us there, say so. All right. Well, thank you. With that, we're going to say goodnight and uh, keep the cards and letters coming in. Be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Good night, Johnny. Bye-bye. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but Thank just you call for tuning me. in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you'd like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around.